As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Philippines. Hey y'all. Hey. We're super excited because we feel actually prepared for this session. Yeah. She shrugged, so maybe we don't feel prepared. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you feel more prepared than I do. We'll see. I feel great. Well, that's great. About it. That's yeah, great. I feel, I feel great about it. Um, gonna just go ahead and warn you guys. You're not gonna be surprised at this point, but I have a cold again, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> so just get ready for that looking like our january february yeah colds colds and more colds yeah i mean i feel better now it's better than it was but just putting that warning out there i don't want to blindside you guys yes so just know that there might be some sound effects involved i don't know <laughs> maybe we're maybe. gonna give it the old college try and see try to try to keep that down try to keep sure it down. sure yeah Right. So I'm just going to launch right into it. Launch right into it. Which is something that I say every time, and I'm sorry. I'm trying to pick up different <laughs> phrases. You don't realize what all you say and the things that you say and how often you say them until you're until recording you yourself. Until you say it over and over and over in recordings. So launching right into it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so this is set in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I didn't know that was a city, but... What a name. It's, I, I don't know if it's so much a city, but like a township. It's very, very small, though, in New Mexico. And July 26, 1996, great year. Oh, yeah. The sheriff's department receives a phone call from the husband of Kelly Garrett saying that he hadn't seen or heard from her in more than 24 hours. And he said that they had an argument and she stormed out and he hadn't seen her since then. And the officer tells him that there's not much that they can do because she's an adult and they're, they were in like a highly transient area where people just kind of flooded in and out willy nilly leaves blown in the wind. And so it's not unlike people to come and go the day after her husband reported her missing an employee of a nearby town. It's called elephant butte. Hmm. And they have a state park there, and they also have this big man-made reservoir that's like a lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the day after, an employee of Elephant Butte State Park brought Kelly Garrett home. He said he found her walking around. She was all cut up. She was kind of like, she was bleeding. And she was still wearing the clothes that she was in when she left. And um, so this is like, two or three days after she had gone missing because he waited a day or two to call and report her. And then oh, right, here right. is the day after he called. Yeah. And that's when it happens. So 
The last thing that Kelly remembered was waking up on her way home. She didn't remember anything from her time gone at all. So, so strange, right? Super weird. Weird. So she, he drops her off at her in-law's home and she said she had sand all over her. And like I said, she was still wearing the clothes that she was wearing. Um, he, the employee that found her said that he found her walking along the sand of, she was just wandering around of that Elephant Butte Lake. She said that she left her home after the fight and went to a friend's house and they had a lot of friends over that night. So then they all decided to go play pool and they went to a bunch of different bars and she said that she hadn't had any drinks at all that night until she gets to this one bar called Blue Waters Saloon. And that's when she got a beer. She said she had one beer and then one of her friends wanted to leave. And so she took her friend home and then she got back to the saloon and had another beer or had more beers. She had, I don't know how many more beers, but she had more beers. She said by the end of the night, most of the friends that she went with left. So mm. the only person or one of the only people that left or that was still there was a woman named Jessie Ray. And she had known Jessie, Kelly had known Jessie for about three or four years at that time. And they played pool a lot together. That wasn't uncommon for them to go play pool. And that she had trusted her. And by that point in the night, Kelly started to feel dizzy. And she said that she asked for Jess, she asked Jesse for a ride home. And she said that Jesse said that she was too drunk to drive Kelly home. So Kelly asked her to take her to a friend's house instead, which was closer, I'm guessing. And Jesse said, okay. So she's Kelly said after that point, she doesn't remember anything. Hmm. She... She thinks she remembers getting out at a friend's house and then walking around, but she didn't remember which house it was. She couldn't remember where she was going. She said that she thought she had possibly been sexually assaulted, but she didn't remember. She just knew that she was bleeding and she was hurt and she didn't know why. Oh, my gosh. Her husband did not believe her story at all. He thought that she was making it all up. I don't know what he thought, but he threw her out of the house. He was like, you're not staying here. Oh, my God. I know. Well, why so, did he even report her missing if he was just going to kick her out? I know. Like, I think he was, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about their relationship, if it was toxic or how toxic it was, but it seemed like he just didn't trust that she, because I think the sketchy, and it's not sketchy, but maybe the sketchy part in his eyes was that she just didn't remember anything. And I don't know if she was prone to lying or if he was prone to being jealous and not just, just not trusting her. I don't right, know. Right. Yeah. Was. I guess we don't know the details of their previous encounters or relationship right arguments so she didn't have anywhere to go so she asked the park employee that dropped her off at her in-laws house to drop her off at a friend's house until her memory came back and she said that she wanted to try to get a hold of jesse since jesse was the last person that saw her that night but she hoped that like jesse could fill in the blanks where she right. was missing them but she couldn't get a hold of jesse and she didn't know her number so kelly considered going to the police but she was like i don't even remember what happened that like the time that i was gone i have yeah, no idea I don't I have nothing know, to like, tell them yeah what crime i could even totally report. yeah exactly so she this is so sad but her husband never forgave her so she ended up and this is like years later she ends up moving out of the state because she had nothing nowhere to go and no one to go to and her husband was like fuck this i'm not dealing with this so she just leaves and she ends up in colorado and she said that she tried to get over the whole ordeal, but she just kept having nightmares of a knife being held to her throat, of her being duct taped to a table, being tied up and assaulted. And she still couldn't piece together what happened. 
So almost a year after Kelly went missing and was found again on July 7th, 1997, the Sierra County Sheriff's Office gets a visit from the mother of 22-year-old Marie Parker. She told officers that she hadn't heard from Marie for like days. And Marie was known to live on the streets. She she wasn't she didn't have a job. She was kind of known to be like couch surfer kind of drifter homeless and I think she had had some drug issues, but there was a time that she had acquired a tent and she took her daughters and lived in the tent. I don't know how many daughters she had, but it just said that she had some daughters, a few daughters. I don't know, two or three. And she took the tent and she went to Elephant Butte Lake and lived in the tent on the beach of Elephant Butte Lake. Hmm. Police put out an APB for Marie and went looking at some places that she frequented and they learned that she was seen last at a bar with an ex-boyfriend. And his name is Roy Yancey. And Roy Yancey was with a friend of his named Jesse Ray. The bar that they were at were, was Blue Water's Saloon. Huh. When police questioned Jesse, she said that, Je- or that Marie was too drunk and she had to give her a ride home. And that was the last she had seen of her. That she gave her a ride. I don't know where she, she took her, she said. But she took her somewhere and that had never seen her again. So they had no reason to believe that anything bad happened to Marie. So they just assumed that she had skipped town. I'm guessing this town had to have had enough people that would move in and out of it. Or they just assumed that they do because it's like they didn't press it any further. So I'm going to get into Jesse Ray as a person. Yeah. So she would go to the Blue Water Saloon regularly, obviously. Sounds like it. <laughs> yes. It was one of her favorite watering holes. Sure, sure. She was a biker, and she had... She was kind of, like, sexually fluid, I guess. Like, she would have relationships with men and women. She worked as an auto mechanic, and she split her time between Albuquerque and Elephant Butte. And Elephant Butte and Albuquerque are about two hours away from each other. Okay. Roy Yancey, his full name is Dennis Roy Yancey, he grew up in Truth or Consequences, and he got into a lot of trouble throughout his life. Um, He went to Blue Water Saloon often as well, and this is so crazy to me. Like, there was one year for Halloween, they canceled Halloween completely. Like, they wouldn't let any kids go trick-or-treating because Roy Yancey and his friends were strangling cats and flipping over headstones. Oh, my God. I know. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? I have no idea. What? It's, I mean, I don't like cats either, that? but come on. I know. You don't strangle them. No. That's that's horrific. It's terrible. And side note, headstones, aren't they very, very heavy? I how would, do you flip them? Yeah, I would think so. How, yeah, how do you even break them? They have like a jackhammer? I have no idea. Maybe one of their friends was nicknamed the jackhammer. Uh-oh. I don't know. Maybe. Don't know. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> sorry. He was in the Navy, and he was dishonorably discharged, which is not surprising to me. Nope. And he liked to be known as the troublemaker. So shortly after Marie Parker went missing, a 37-year-old woman named Cindy Hindi. <laughs> Got you mid-Cindy? Mid-sip. Hindi. Cindy Hindi. Is she friends with Julia Gulia? I know. Oh, my God, the name. <laughs> I know. Bless her. No, don't bless her. Cindy Hindi started going to the Blue Water Saloon as well. So Cindy was on the run from authorities. She had 
she and a friend were trying to deal cocaine and she tried to sell it to an undercover cop. And so, Uh-oh. yeah, got busted. She eluded them and ran away. She's from Washington state. And so she ended up in elephant butte truth or consequences. The two kind of blurred together. They're separate, but people frequent back and forth. So her background in Monroe, Washington was awful. She was molested by her stepfather when she was 11. She told her mother and her mother believed her stepfather and then kicked her out of the house. Oh my God. I know, but that happens more than you would hope. It's just so terrible. So when, after all that happened, Cindy grew up to be super violent. Like she did not appear to feel bad about anything. She had no remorse. She had no morals really. Like she just did what she wanted when she wanted and she was super violent about it. She was 105 pounds. This is what one of the, um, one of the guys in the documentary talked about. He said she was 105 pounds of pure muscle and could beat up women over twice her weight and would beat men up too. Like she wasn't scared of nobody. Damn. She didn't put up with anybody's anything. And this is Cindy Hindi. Cindy Hindi. Well, when you got a name like that, it's like a boy named Sue. I was just going to say. <laughs> it's a boy named Sue. Yeah. You got to you gotta make a name for yourself. Yep. Pick the biggest guy in the yard and beat him up. <laughs> Give him the crazy eyes. <laughs> so she started becoming friends with Jesse Ray and Roy Yancey. And she got into some fights with some of her boyfriends because she had many boyfriends and was arrested for assault and was put into a work release program over by Elephant Butte Lake in Elephant Butte State Park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the work release program, she met Jesse Ray's father and he was 57-year-old David Parker Ray. Uh-oh. Yes. He worked as a mechanic out in Elephant Butte State Park and it said that he they hit it off right away. Like, they would talk about their fantasies and things they wanted to do. And she kind of, they both found in each other somebody that they felt like they could totally be themselves around, which is really unfortunate because they're both disgusting. But like fantasy is like one day I want to go to Disney World or like, no, like one day I want to do sexually explicit things oh. to other people and also have gang bangs, but in a very violent nature. Oh. Yeah. And those kind. So David was a charming man to be around, but he was a master manipulator and he was also a sexual sadist. Of course. His sadistic sexual desires could go back to his childhood when he apparently he was bounced around from like different family members who were severely neglected him. And he didn't think his mother or any of the women in his life cared about him, which preach David. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Tori? I'm just kidding. <laughs> sometimes you don't call me nine times like I want you to. Yeah, sometimes it's just seven. I know. It's really hurtful. Just kidding. Um, I just wanted to get a rise out of you, and it worked. But a young David Ray, he would write in his journals for hours every day, which I'm just trying to remember to write in mine. Once a day would be – well, once a day is a pipe dream. Once a week would be I nice. I know. I've been meaning to do it for – months now i cannot get it but he was does like devoting hours a day to doing this and a lot of self-reflection i know maybe but that's where he like that was his fantasy world and his worst fantasies started around when he was like 13 or 14 his father was in and out of his life and would come around every month or two but he would leave magazines for him and 
the photos in the magazines, they would have real girls bound and gagged by their hands and their mouth, like on the front of the magazines. And then inside there were like porn, pornographic images, but they were all being assaulted. What? Who? Who makes this magazine? I don't know. What kind of father is like, hey, son, great job doing, you know, I love your progress report at school. Here's a porno of very violent, assaulting. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. It kind of reminds me, did you, do you ever watch that show Ozark? I uh, started to, and then I wanted to wait to, for Steven, and then I just never picked it back up. Uh, well, Ruth, her dad is, like, in and out of prison, and when he finally, like, gets out, when he's paroled, she has been working in a strip club or whatever, but she uh, has pays one of the girls to come and, like, meet him at a motel or whatever, like, as a celebration, and she, like, waits out in the car for them to get finished, and then she brings him home or whatever and he gets in the car and he's like next time get me a fucking blonde or something and she's like <laughs> and i'm like oh god that's disgusting like it's your it's just, dad yeah i don't know i mean Ew. everybody's got different kinds of relationships in the world but i just don't know about that kind of relationship for yeah. andrew and his dad talk about golf <laughs> they bond over golf that's a normal thing we bond with our dad over true crime well we yeah. bond with him over lots of things but true crime is one of them yeah but that's normal uh, yeah i just don't understand i yeah i don't think i could ever like that's mm-hmm. just so weird yeah i don't yeah i don't understand that so david parker ray was very into pornography and obviously it fueled him the like those were the two things that made him who he was was neglect and porn and so after he... That's so sad. I know. Like, ugh, that's awful. Like, what a foundation, you know? Yeah. He joined the army after high school, and he was married several times before he settled down with his last wife in 1984 in Elephant Butte. Before he worked at the state park, he was an airplane engine repairman, and he did other mechanic jobs, so it seems like throughout his life, he was heavy on the mechanics. Yeah. But 10 years after settling down with his wife, his wife left him. She left him in 1994, and uh, he was married for four times before he met Cindy Hindi, which I can't stop. I, it, she, it, it's <laughs> all the whole name or nothing for me, yeah. Cindy Hindi. So somewhere along the way, having sexual encounters with women who weren't cons- consenting did not work for him anymore, or who were consenting, excuse me. He just wanted to, like, he started out being like, yeah, are you into this? Me too. And then after that, he was like, this is not going to work for me anymore. It's not... Uh, it didn't excite him enough. No. So he had to up the ante. And so he started kidnapping and assaulting women with the help of his daughter, Jessie, and Roy Yancey. Oh, my God. Yes. So in their eyes, especially Jessie's, but in Roy's eyes, too, like David Ray or David Parker Ray was like God to them. Huh. And they kind of he treated them kind of like his followers, but he could get them to do anything he wanted them to do. Mm. And he had this like super huge power over them. So they used blue water saloon to find his victims. And it was the perfect place because people are in and out all the time. People are drinking. So they're getting hazy about the way things are going. And then sometimes there would be drug use. Right. So yeah, it's like your inhibitions are lowered you're not really remembering things the way that you're supposed to or the way that you would if you were sober. It's just the perfect place to do it. So 
he could count on them not remembering what had happened so he would keep the women for days at a time and then let them go and they wouldn't remember anything because he'd keep them few we'll, we'll, right. we'll get into it we'll get into it so in january 1999 cindy hindi moved in with david parker ray uh-huh. she helped she kind of helped the appearance of David Ray because she looked, you know, he looked kind of normal because he's got this live-in girlfriend. Right, And right. It, he's more like a family man. And um, he, yeah, she he's made not him... not just some creepy guy that lives by himself. Yeah, totally. She made him look like less scary and intimidating. And like I said, they were drawn to each other based on their similarities in their disgusting, ridiculous, ew, sexual yeah. fantasies. So on February 16th, 1999 cindy invites her friend her full name is angelica but they call her angie and so angie montano um to visit and she came she came to the area with her son trying to start a new life there but after getting there after getting her to their house they blindfold her and restrain her to a bed over the course of four days she was moved to different rooms in the house where she was repeatedly sexually assaulted and tortured by David Ray. And Cindy's just like cool with this. Cindy would stand there with a gun pointed at the victim and watch everything happen. And David would use cattle prods he would use electric shocks oh my god and he had a number of handmade and customized sexual devices because he's a mechanic so he can make anything i mean he was if he had not used that knowledge for terrible things i'm sure he could have made great things because right yeah he made all kinds of things so an fbi profiler used the analogy that sexual sadists Think of their victims like you would if you were doing your makeup in the morning and then you use a tissue to like blot your lipstick before you leave and then you'd crumple it up and throw it in the garbage can. You don't think about that tissue all day long. You don't think about it while you're at work like, oh my gosh, I hope that tissue's okay or like if they're, how they're feeling right now. So he looked at all of, and then he called the women that he would bring home his packages and he just did not think of them as people. Oh my God. I know. So packages packages what the fuck so cindy assisted david in everything like there were some times when david would be in the middle of assaulting a woman and be like hey cindy go get me i don't know what he called her but he'd be like go get me this tool or this toy or whatever and she would just go get it and bring it back to him she never as far as i as far as she says she never assisted in any of the abuse but she was definitely there in complacent for it like she definitely was okay with it well and she assisted by holding the gun and and she assisted by bringing angie there yeah well that doesn't yeah that doesn't make any sense why would you why would you assault somebody that you know i know so he introduced his sexual torturing techniques on a really gentle level because he didn't want to scare her off that's what david said about it who angie or cindy cindy okay yes um he said that because he he wanted to have this relationship with cindy too but he didn't i guess that's what he said he didn't want to scare her off so then he was like kind of eased into it have his cake and eat it too yes angie's torture comes to an end on february 21st 1999 
she pulled David over and she told him that she needed to get back to her son and that he didn't or he didn't that David didn't need to do the things that he was doing to her. He was like she was like, you don't have to do this. I need to get back to my son. Um, I'm worried about him. And so he let her go. He said that he if he knew that she was so nice that he wouldn't have kidnapped her and done it all in the first place. Oh, right. Right. That was the issue. Oh, yeah. yeah. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wouldn't have done all that. Had I known you were a nice person, like, yeah, I thought you were maybe just like a bitch or whatever, and that she that meant that because that makes it okay. It or yeah, it's so gross. Fuck is wrong with this guy. So then they took her up I twenty five and released her, and so she she spent five days with them, and she apparently got it the worst of everybody, all the victims that have lived to tell about it. While she was on I twenty five, she was picked up by an off duty sheriff or an off duty cop. And she explained to him what happened, and he wanted to stop at the sheriff's department and report it because, it you know, it's so fucked up. And she just offered this information to him, but she said that she didn't want to offer it, or she didn't want to report it because she didn't trust police because of the things that had happened in her past. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. Yeah, so she didn't ever report it. He believed her story, but then he became suspicious when she didn't want to report it, of course, because it's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel. She was scared. I'm sure that they threatened her. A lot of people don't want to report sexual abuse. There's most people don't want to report it. Like, that's why so many people report it so many years later, which looks bad because then people are like, well, if it was happening, why didn't you say it when it happened? But People are embarrassed or they feel like nobody will believe them or, you know, and maybe because she didn't think somebody would believe her because of whatever her past was. Mm-hmm. Do you, did Cindy just maybe know that and think that could be? Yeah. If they were friends like, oh, well, she's got a record or whatever, so she's not going to go to the cops. Yeah. It could very well be your, yeah, you could be onto something there. Fucked up. So he dropped her off close to where she lived 48 hours after she was released from David Ray, Angie left Truth or Consequences for good, and she went back to Albuquerque. Good. Fuck this. I'm not staying here. So two weeks later, Cindy tells David that she wanted to visit some family in Washington, and apparently Cindy, Hindi's daughter, was pregnant, about to have her, like, Cindy's first grandchild. So... David Parker Ray got super pissed that she was leaving because he didn't want her to leave and he didn't want to be by himself, but he agreed to let her go under the one condition that he wanted to get himself a sex slave to satisfy him until she returned. That's normal. You know, a lot of women, when they go out of town, it's like, maybe I'll make you a few casseroles to put in (laughs) the freezer, but Cindy's going to help him get a sex slave so that he doesn't have to go without whatever the fuck. He has a, a, I don't know. I mean, you know. Fever and the only prescription. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. Yeah. So gross. I think the weirdest thing about it is that Cindy didn't ever question any of this. She was just like, okay, David. But wasn't she the one that was supposed to be this, like, big bad bitch? Like, I don't know. It just seems like somebody like that would be like, um, excuse me. No, you're not going to fuck other women. And also, I'm going to beat your ass about it. But she's just like, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't understand it. But we'll get into... There's a little... I watched a little... um, Pony? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're hilarious. I watched a little clip of an interview with Cindy Hindi that I will talk about later. Blah. I know. But so this woman, and this is where I'm kind of confused because I read some different articles and some of them call her Cynthia V. Hill and some of them call her Cindy. And maybe she was Cynthia but called Cindy. Maybe both. I don't know. But I'm going to call her Cynthia V. Hill. I could be wrong, but that's what I think her name is. V. Hill or like V is a middle initial and then Hill. It's spelled V-I-G-I-L, but it's pronounced V. Hill. Oh, I was way off. Okay. Got mm-hmm. it. Throughout the entire note taking, I, print, I spelled it V-E-H-I-L-L. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. But it's V. Hill. So <laughs> she worked as a prostitute in um, March of 1999 and she was in Albuquerque. So, man, Albuquerque, beautiful town. I know. Every the whole time that we were that I was researching this, and it kept saying Albuquerque. I was like, I know that Terrell has been there, and it is beautiful. I mean, it really is. You got to go there someday. Yeah, you got to go. I will. So, David went up there and with Hindi and tricked her into getting into their motorhome. They didn't know her. They did not know her. They okay. just found her. Yeah. They handcuffed her at gunpoint, and they drove her back to Elephant Butte. Which was several hours away? Two hours away. Oh, from A little over two hours. Like, I, okay. think I looked it up. Two hours and nine minutes or something. So Eight or nine minutes. Which is it? <laughs> I don't know. So she's brought back to their home. And at this point, and I don't know if they did this with Angie, but at that point when they brought her back, they put a collar around her neck and a five-foot chain. And they bound her to a bed. They blindfolded her and they gagged her. So now she's in total darkness and she hears the click of a tape recorder and then a man's voice comes on. Oh, Jesus. Yes. And the recording was about five minutes long. And I've got clips of the beginning of it and then there's a little bit in the middle. So we're just going to play this right now. Good old bitch. Well, this tape's getting played again. Must mean I picked up another hooker. And I'll bet you wonder what the hell's going on here. Gag is necessary because after a while you're going to be doing a lot of screaming. So the video or the tape is five minutes long, like I said, and he told his victims in the tape what he would be doing to them with the help of a lady friend, which was Cindy Hindi. He did it to torture them and he would watch the reaction that he would get from them. Like that's what he wanted. Cause just to, you know, like the anticipation of what's to come would have been terrible. That's yeah, a torture all by itself. Horrifying. Yeah. Yes. So for the next three days, Cindy was raped and tortured in their home. I have details about the rape and torture, but I'm going to wait until the trial begins to talk about it. But they, so they did that for three days. On March 22nd, David went to work and he left Cindy to watch Cynthia. Well, while Cindy was in the kitchen making tuna sandwiches. Sure. Yes. Um, v Hill saw the keys to the chain, like the lock for the chain on the bed, unattended. So she took them and she unhooked herself from the bed. Then she goes in the living room and calls the police. But Cindy hears this and she comes into the living room to see what's going on. And at that moment, I guess it was like a hang up for the police. But when she comes in the living room, 
Vigil takes a knife and stabs her in the back of the neck. Oh, wow. But just enough to, like, stun her, I guess. And she runs out of the house. And she's running in, like, down the road wearing nothing but the dog collar and the five-foot chain. Like, that's all that she had on. So she runs for about a mile, and then she comes up on this double-wide trailer. And she didn't knock or anything. She just barged in, and she told the woman who owned it what was happening. And the woman who owned it called the police, and the police wanted to go. They they went to the trailer and got a report of what happened immediately. And she told them everything that happened. She was taken to the hospital, and police realized that they weren't, or the the county police realized that they weren't, they didn't have, they were ill-equipped to handle this by themselves. So then they contacted state police. And knowing that the hang-up 911 came from David Ray's house, they went down to David's house, and he lived on 513 Bass Road. When they got there, they did what they call a safety sweep, so they wanted to make sure that there were no other um, victims in the house and things like that. So they get there, and the house was disgusting from what they say. There were pegboards in the house with all kinds of the sexual abuse devices hanging on them. There were D-rings hanging from the ceiling with ropes and pulleys and all kinds of things like to oh be bound God. and tied up and suspended from the ceiling. And there was a box fan or a box, excuse me, there was a box with a fan in it that was going to move air around and he would take his victims and place them in a box underneath the bed. And he had books on Satanism, like really, really complex medical books to help him do the things that he wanted to do to his victims. Oh my God. Yes. But there was no one inside of the house. So police put out an APB for 59-year-old David Parker Ray and 39-year-old Cindy Hindi. And less than 15 minutes later, police pull over David Parker Ray's truck and detain the couple. They were going down the road looking for Cynthia V. Hill. Oh my God. Yes. So... They had an explanation, though, as to why they were looking for her. So what they say is that they abducted her against her will, but they did it to help her because she had a terrible heroin addiction, and they knew that if they didn't ba- like bind her and keep her locked up, that she would go back to her old ways, and they just wanted her to help her get through the hardest part of the withdrawals of coming off of an addiction. So they were just they were just doing their civic duty by snatching her up and... Why did they Chaining even tell the, the cops they were looking for her specifically? I Couldn't have they have no just idea. Left that out and been like, we're going to the store. Yes, I'm sure. Thank God that they right, were right. stupid. <laughs> but yes, they maybe yeah, like, should have done that. Why would you be like, oh yeah, oh so we're looking for this lady that we abducted? <laughs> yeah, uh, have you seen her around? Well, I feel like. That's like, um, what was it, Teresa Noor, which she got her way, but after she shot and killed her husband in the back, and then she was like, oh, um, can I get that gun back? And they yeah. let her have it, but that's kind of how it is. It was like, really? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I mean, I abducted her, but have you seen her? Can I have her? I mean, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> that's true. It's true. So then, of course, police are like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> So they don't believe him, of course. They are arrested and taken into custody. And on March 23rd, 1999, Mexico or New Mexico State Police start going through the contents of David Parker Ray's house, which I would not have wanted to be one of the people that went through his house, and I would not no. have wanted to be a fly on the wall of that. They realized that they didn't have the resources to deal with what they found. 
So then they state call police. in state police. So then they call in the FBI. Wow. Investigators opened. It was a semi. They said semi padlocked trailer, but it looked like like a travel trailer, like something smaller than what would be hooked up to a semi truck. Oh, okay. But it was a travel trailer, and when they opened it, that this is what they called, or this is what David Parker Ray called the toy box. He had it located directly in front of his house, um, and it was like so close. So David Parker Ray lived in a retirement community. He didn't have a big piece of property. He he lived on a tiny piece of land. He had the toy box directly in front of his house. How no one heard anything that took place in that trailer is beyond me. Right. I don't know if he took the opportunity to soundproof it. Soundproof it. It's just insane. So he would actually take them into the trailer. So when authorities got into it, they found hundreds of torture devices, like hundreds. They found leg spreaders. They found soldering irons, rubber ropes, intubation tubes. Oh, my God. He had a machine that would shock women's breasts at increasing levels. Like, he would start it low and then go higher and higher and higher just to hurt them. The biggest piece that was in the toy box was a gynecological chair that was, what do you call it? Hydraulic. Hydraulic gynecological chair. And there were these red ropes or red tie-downs that were on it, so he could strap them into this chair. And he had fancy, he had a fancy camera with screens up, so he would videotape the assaults that he would do on the victims, but he would, it would like, it was like a live feed, so they could see what he was doing to them while he was doing it to them. Oh my god. Yes. So it was so well organized that authorities knew that this was not just going on for a few weeks. It had to have been going on for years. Right. Like, how do you amass all this stuff? Like, totally. It takes a long time to build a collection that big. Yes. And they said, and I saw some pictures of it, like the way that they were placed on the wall, like all hung up and stuff, they were all within reach of him. Like he could grab them super easy. But of course he had Cindy Hindi there. If he needed something that he couldn't reach, he could get it real quick, too. Yeah. Like, it was just so... It's like a well-oiled machine, and it was just its so disgusting, so crazy. So, police and FBI catalog everything that they found on David Ray's property, and around that time, local and national news media start flooding in and start running the stories that about the toy box. And that's when Angie Montano, she saw the story and decided to go forward with her story, which is awesome. She gave a detailed account of what happened. And then on March 30th, 1999, an FBI agent discovered a videotape inside of the toy box. So they watched the videotape and the tape shows David Parker Ray with a woman strapped into the chair and her face is completely covered with duct tape. So you could not see what... With duct tape? With duct tape. Oh my God. So you could not see who was on the chair or in the chair. But she had an intricate tattoo on her leg. So the FBI gives the information to the media to run and see if anybody can identify her based on that tattoo on her leg. And it worked. And the FBI, um, or they received a call from someone who believed that they knew the victim. And it was Kelly Garrett's former mother-in-law. So the husband that did not believe a word she said. His mother. Oh my gosh. When... 
that's when the mother-in-law put two and two together and realized that the state park employee that drove Kelly home was David Parker Ray. <gasps> he drove her home? He dropped her off. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Bum, bum, bum. I am shooketh. I know. That's been your word today. Yeah, you said it earlier, so I... You stole it. I stole it. <laughs> um, She had been missing for three days, so he must have had her, obviously. That's what her, her mother-in-law or ex-mother-in-law was putting together. So FBI went to Colorado to interview Kelly because that's where she was since she left. And they asked her all kinds of questions about the tattoos that she had and her feet because that was what they had to identify her, I guess. And so she showed them all of her tattoos. And then she asked if she remembered anything from being missing. And she showed like she showed the FBI her uh, tattoos and they showed her pictures of the tattoos they had gotten from the tapes to identify her. And then once she started seeing the pictures and, like, I guess seeing everything that was in the toy box, everything, it was, like, Celine Dion style all coming back to her now. Crazy. So she realized that the nightmares that she was having weren't nightmares. They were just, like, little pieces like of the puzzle packs, coming back. Yeah. yeah. So she started to piece together what happened that night. A and poor woman. That had to have been, like, traumatic. I can't even – I cannot imagine – so she believes that Jesse Ray dr- drugged her drink and then yeah. brought her to David. She remembered being at Jesse's dad's house and someone having a knife to her throat. They handcuffed her to a table and they put duct tape over her eyes and her mouth. Her nose is not covered, but but then she said that she could like the duct tape had lifted from her cheeks and she could see underneath like through a little bit and she said that she could see David walking around and she could see all kinds of sex toys on the walls. And she just kept telling him, I want to go home. I want to go home to my husband. And so based on Kelly's report, Jesse Ray is arrested for the abduction and assault of Kelly Ray. She pled guilty to kidnapping and assault and received 10, or excuse me, received nine years in jail and was placed on probation. But she violated that probation and then was sent to prison. Fuck her. I know. She needs more than nine years, that's for sure. It doesn't stop there. So, at the or as the investigation continued, the state was building its case. But while they were trying to build it, Cindy Hindi decided to cooperate, and she started to tell them things. So she said that even though she had only been helping David Ray abduct, or she said that she had only been helping David Ray abduct and torture women for months, but that David had told her that he had been doing it for years. She said that he had been doing it for 40 years. 40 years? Yes. My God. She claimed that he had been abducting women like one, um, was it one a month for 40 years? And so she claimed that David had told her at about 14 murders and where the bodies were. And so authorities around the area searched the lake in the desert, but they never found any bodies at all. So, and they have no idea because David was a state, the state park employee. So he knew the area really, really well. And he knew where he could hide people and there are wild right. animals out there and things like that. Who knows? But she claimed that he would put his victims in wooden contraptions that he made that bent them over and immobilized them while he had his dogs and sometimes his friends rape them. Um, she also said that besides help from herself and Jesse, they also had help from Roy Yancey. 
So police go to Yancey's house and they surprise or and he surprised them with this like a confession. And he confessed that he and Jesse had taken Marie Parker, Roy's ex-girlfriend, to David's home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Marie Parker? Yeah. Her mom went. And she was like 22. So she had been abducted. But after the abduction, I guess from what she said and from what Roy said, David tried to, he really like, threw his weight around control-wise and was like, okay, now I want you to kill her. So he did. And then David Ray helped Roy to dispose of the body. But when Yancey took authorities out to find her body where he remembered dumping her, they think that David probably moved the body and so it wasn't there anymore. And they never have found her body. So Roy Yancey pleads guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He was released after serving 11 and then was sent back to prison until 2021 because he violated his parole. Do you know how he violated it? There, it's just, it's so spotty. Like I tried and tried and tried to find all of the information and I couldn't find a lot of information. So that's where like Jesse's, um, sentencing gets a little fuzzy because i'll talk about this when when we get to sentencing david ray like that's what i got from a few from one website that i looked at and then anyway so he was let's see he was released after serving 11 years and then was sent to prison after okay excuse me charged with 25 felony counts for her part in the abduction and torturing cindy hindy was facing 197 years in prison. But then Cindy cuts a deal. And on April 6, 1999, she pleads guilty to the kidnapping and sexual assault of Cindy V. Hill. She was given a 54-year sentence and was made to serve 36 years of that um, and then would serve the remaining time on parole. So Cindy took a plea deal that happened three months before a new law went into effect, requiring violent offenders to serve 85% of their sentence, even if they get credit for being on good behavior. Which pisses me off because... Yeah, well, and if if you thought it prudent to sentence her to 157 years before she pled guilty, then she should serve 157 years even if she pleads guilty. Mm-hmm. Pleading guilty doesn't change the fact that she did it it enhances that fact, if anything. Like, that's just what I don't understand. And it goes the same way for other stuff, like people who are actually innocent who get fucked on plea deals because it's like, well, if I don't take the plea deal, I'm going to get life or, like, the death penalty possibly. And if I just take a plea deal, I can be out in, like, 10 years or whatever. But you don't want to admit if the crime warranted, guilt. Yeah, like, if the time war- or crime warranted whatever time they're giving you or whatever the punishment is, the plea deal shouldn't change that. But it only benefits people who are guilty because they're like, well, if I just go ahead and plead out, then I get half or a quarter or an eighth of the sentence. Yeah. Then I, you know, still did whatever it is that I did. Exactly. It's just so fucked up and it makes me so angry, especially this case makes me so angry. I mean, like all of them do, but I've just researched this one, so I'm pissed about this one. Yeah. Well, and... It's not like she didn't realize what was happening or anything like that. She was absolutely 100% complicit. Yeah. 
She helped him pick victims. Like, yes, exactly. Like, yeah, it wasn't even like she was the wife or the girlfriend who had no idea he was leading this double life like a Ted Bundy or whatever. She knew and she took part in it enough to, I mean, if you take part in it at all, you're guilty, but whatever. Exactly. So David Parker Ray was cooperative to an extent in the investigation. He he reminded me a lot of Ted Bundy in the fact that when he, he was asked about all these things, he would talk about it, but he would be like, if I ever did anything like that, like mm. it was like he only talked about it in a sexual fantasy type of way, like never like, oh, when I did this, it was like, well, if I wanted to do this, this is what I would do. So he like admitted it, but not in an admitting kind of way. I don't know. I get my excitement from making a woman happy. I got pleasure out of the woman getting pleasure. Uh, I did what they wanted me to do. Okay. Okay, I did what they wanted me to do. So they wanted me to abduct them, mm-hmm. hold them captive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they totally wanted me to torture the absolute shit out of them. Yes. Um, make them want to die, probably. Like, ugh, what the fuck, dude? Degrade and demean them. Like, yeah, yeah. all of the things. Maybe on opposite day. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. No. It's not Wacky Wednesday, David Parker Ray. That is the second time that she's talked about Wacky Wednesday. She's It's wild over here. It's wacky. <laughs> David Parker Ray faced three trials. So each one for each of the victims. Angie Montano, Cynthia Vigil, and Kelly Garrett. Kelly Garrett was, she said, because the documentary that I watched, she provided a lot of the interviews or she, she did a lot of interviews for it and she said she was terrified to testify. She didn't know if anybody was going to believe her because after she told her husband and you know, I mean, all this stuff, it's like nobody really did believe her. So in her trial, David Ray was found guilty of 12 counts of kidnapping, criminal penetration and conspiracy. Good God. His sentencing was put off until all of the trials had finished. The trial for Cynthia Vigil then takes place. And the prosecutor, this is so powerful. I wanted to get a video or an audio clip of what what she said, but it was so, you would have to have subtitles. It wasn't, it didn't come across. Oh, right. But, so the prosecutor, he stands up and he plays the collar and chain that she had left the toy box in on the table in front of her. And that's when Cynthia, she stands up and she looks at David Parker Ray and she pointed at him and she starts screaming. She was like, you bastard. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? And she's like screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming. And they had to escort her out of the courtroom and she was checked by paramedics to see if she was okay to proceed. So then before closing arguments, David's attorneys approached the stand And David was like, I've had enough of this. I don't want to do this anymore. So he said that if all counts against his daughter were dropped and she was released from jail, she would plead or he would plead guilty to all the charges against him for Cynthia V. Hill. And the answer is no. I know. So either you can plead out and stop the process right now or we can keep fucking going with this all day long. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that's not what happened. No. 
you already know that he he's desperate to not have this happen anymore. Why would you just give him what he wants? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, that's why I just don't understand plea deals. I really, really don't. No. Like, in these types of cases, I, I don't understand them ever. Like, you're the one with the upper hand, not him. He, like, it's very obvious he did it. He's going to get convicted. Mm-hmm. He's you- on video. He's got on, like, audio tapes. He has all the devices at his home. Yes, like, there's never been a more open and shut case as to, uh, other than the question of did he kill anyone or did he not kill anyone, but right, it's just, it's unreal, I know. So, the only charges that were not brought on him were those for Angelica Montano because Angie, unfortunately, died prior to the trial that was set for her. I don't know how, but she passed away. I looked into it, can't find out why she passed away. So they didn't even have a trial for her because they just not have video evidence of her. I guess not. Like just because she has passed away doesn't mean, yeah, that maybe that's why. Uh, Yeah, because and they would have just been like testimony only. Yeah, I have Mm -hmm. no idea. So on September thirtieth, two thousand and one. David Parker Ray received the maximum sentence, which was 224 years in prison for his crimes against Kelly Garrett and Cynthia V. Hill. On May 28, 2002, he was transferred from the Lee County Correctional Facility to serve his sentence. This, oh my gosh, it just, okay. While in the holding cell for uh, David Parker Ray, and this is normal because you have to like book them in or whatever, David... Parker Ray slumps over and he dies of a massive heart attack. What? Before he even officially served one day of his sentence. I didn't want to have to say it. I didn't want to be the one to tell you. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I know. And understandably so. What the fuck? So then I started looking into, because I was like, well, what happened to Cindy Hendy? Yeah. Because I read an article that said that, well, I'll get into that later. So I've come up on this episode or this clip of the interview with Cindy Henney that I talked about earlier. And wouldn't you know it, it was a clip from the TV show Most Evil, which is one of my jams. It's yep, been a bop yep. for years. Love it. I'm so mad that they canceled it. I mean, I'm okay with it, I guess, because I don't know if Dr. Michael Stone, who was the original doctor who like created the scale if he had passed away or whatever but they got a new yeah they got a new guy and i it, 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 you know it was okay so michael's dr michael stone put david parker ray at a 22 on his scale of evil which is the most evil that you can be yeah so dr stone went to new mexico to interview cindy hindi in 2006 when he interviewed her he asked her what she thought of David Parker Ray after everything that happened. And she said that she's still mad at him for putting her through all of this, that she curses him most of the time. And then when he asked her when she started learning of his sexual torturing, she said that it was when he, she moved in is when he started talking about it. And that's when she said that he told her he had committed a murder. It was once a year. It wasn't once a month, excuse me, once a year for about 40 years. 
she said, because he was like, well, how did that make you feel knowing that he had murdered people? And she was like, well, it made me nervous. I mean, of course, wouldn't it make you nervous? Because he was like, why would it make you nervous? And she was like, well, wouldn't it make you nervous, though? But then she said, it also interested me because I felt like I was getting to know a serial killer. It was kind of exciting. Oh, my God. She said she wanted to get into his mind. So when Right, right. It was yeah. a, like a book report. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's just research. Yes. She just wanted to know what was going on in there. So she said when she saw the toy box, she thought it was just a storage trailer. And when asked if David would get her rigged up into the toy box, like in the chair, she said that he wouldn't, that he would treat her differently, and that he called her his wife. Well, they weren't married. But he, she said that the packages were, cre- were treated different, way differently than she ever was because oh he God. held her to a different standard. The packages. The packages. I can't. He asked her if she thought that David Parker Ray ever loved her, and she said that she wasn't sure if he loved her, but that he made it clear that he was always in control, which, like you talked about earlier, it's like, if you're this strong, badass, like, don't take, I see pride, (laughs) like, doesn't take any crap off of nobody, Yeah. why was she letting this, like, measly little 59-year-old man with a nasty mustache tell you what to do with your life? I don't understand it. So... She said that he made all the decisions and that she just had to be okay with that. And that she claimed that everything that she, or that all she did to Cindy Vigil was whip her. She didn't do anything else. He did everything else, but he would ask her to grab toys that she wanted or that he wanted to use. She said that she didn't participate while he was in the toy box, but that she did hold the gun and watched while he worked. Yeah, that's participating. She said, because he asked, how do you feel about everything now? Like, do you feel bad for the things that you had done? And she said that at the time that she had no remorse while it was all going on. And that she said it felt like it was in slow motion. But she said she was there and she didn't have any feeling about it one way or the other. But then she said there was nothing. She was like, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. There wasn't anything drastic or anything. There wasn't any blood. She wasn't being beaten to a pulp. So what was there to be horrified over? Okay, Cindy, would you like any of that shit to happen to you? Tell me about it. I know. What like, the fuck? In, yes, that's. I literally wrote WTFFFFFFFF. <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, like, okay, even if you don't bleed, there's plenty of things that are absolutely painful and that you never want to have happen, like... And I cannot imagine the, because to hear Cynthia Vigil react so aggressively and so, like, she didn't even have time to think about it. She just stands up and points at him and she just, like, in an outrage. And the amount of therapy and counseling that she'd have to go through to get, to get past that, because she was like, because she kept yelling, like, why did you do this to me? Why did you do this to me? Like that, it's just so sad. Right. you can't get past that. And it's something that's so degrading. They take something from you that you have, they have no right to take and you gave them no right. Yeah. And for her to just be like, I mean, wasn't a big deal. Like what? Nobody, nobody hit him. Nobody. I know it was gross. So I looked into Cindy Hindi because the, the, one of the articles that I found was in 2017 and they said since she had spent half of her sentence so it was about 18 years behind bars that she could submit a plan for where she would live when she was released because she was up for parole in 2017 
once they checked it out and approved it, she would be out on parole for two years. And if she is released, that she will likely be on a GPS monitor and will be under a high level of super supervision as a sex offender. I have scoured the ends of the internet to find out if she was ever released, and I cannot find anything. The last, because every time you type in Cindy Hindi, you type in Jesse Ray, you type in uh, Dennis Roy Yancey, everything that comes up is about David Parker Ray. Right, yeah. It is so hard. I, I looked at Reddits and subreddits and all kinds of stuff, and I cannot find anything. Huh. It is weird how hard it is to find somebody's incarceration record. Like, isn't that public? That's information what I thought like shouldn't you be able to see like when somebody was put into jail and when somebody was released I, I feel know. like you should I feel like that should be public information but I don't know especially and, for sex offenders because she's she'd have to be registered so I was thinking about I mean the thought crossed my mind where I was like maybe I'll call the county sheriff's department or the prison and see if she was still there but I wouldn't even know how to go about that I've never done anything like that so yeah huh. I don't know weird but that's the that's the whole story. The only the only justice that I see is that there's absolutely no way that David Parker Ray is not burning in hell right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. One hundred percent. So it's the only level of justice that I can I just cannot believe that like he did not even serve a day I mean, of he, sentence. I yet. know. He was in jail waiting for him to start because it takes forever with this kind of stuff. It was like almost an entire year before he was transported from one to the other. But yeah, the day that he was pr- transported is when he had a massive heart attack. Like, I wouldn't put it past David Parker Ray to have talked his heart and doing it for him. Yeah, like fucking drama queen. Yeah. And yeah. Well, because I mean, once you get convicted for something like that, like if you're in general population, you're probably going to get fucked up. But he should have had, and I know you're not saying he shouldn't have, but he should have had to endure all of that. Like, yeah, he should have had his dick cut off. <laughs> he should have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, to torture people the way that he did. So ruthlessly, so violently, and without any remorse. Yeah. It's I feel like so... the same thing should have to happen to you. I'm sorry. Yes. But I do. So, well, but, I mean, come on now. Let's remember, he only did what they wanted him to do. Well, yeah. I mean, his hands were tied. Yeah. So, what a piece of shit. That is the story. That is one that we've gotten some recommendations to do, but my sweet old DAD was the one who initially told me about him. I think I'd heard about him before, but he was like, that toy box killer, man. And I'm texting dad at the time, and I'm sending him all the gifts of, like, Shit's Creek, where David is like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he's just so fucked up. It's gross. Yeah, it's horrible. It's awful. I just can't believe. So, like... They never could link anybody who went missing because I know they never found any bodies, but I mean, he even tended to seem like he'd pick up people that he knew. So like they couldn't link him to anybody who went missing other than the one girl that they know they've never seen her again. No, I don't know. I, it's just, just it's so interesting how they to couldn't me. bring murder charges. And if it's that many people, how they couldn't at least place a missing person report with him in the area or something. I don't know how difficult it is because I know that there are a lot of like Jane Doe's that are whatever, like cold cases, let's say that, not Jane Doe's, that they have the body, but they don't know who committed the crime. But in these cases or with anything with David Parker Ray, they haven't, they haven't recovered any bodies. Yeah. So it's like scoured the lake. He claims he has, or I guess Cindy claims that he has committed the crime, but we don't know 
who or where you have no evidence would it have of been it all. all in that same area or and with him having a reputation of or not even reputation with evidence of him kidnapping women and doing torturing them and then releasing them the tapes really don't hold any water either because he could have just let them all go and they could have just like uh kelly garrett just hightailed it out of there and moved somewhere else yeah also it kind of seems weird if he if he had murdered people before that many people it seems strange that he would go back to releasing them mm-hmm. that I can't think of anybody else that I've heard of that happening except for the fact and I don't know I hear what you're saying and I don't think that but with Kelly Garrett she didn't remember anything that happened to her that's true so he it was almost like he performed a lobotomy on them and then let them go you know yeah and that's also probably not true what I said there's probably people who have done that because I know sometimes that's their that yeah the mo or something? that's been their undoing those like the oh one, i see the person they kind of let go yeah decided not to well yeah you would think i mean that's why a lot of people end up getting murdered is because they don't want to leave any witnesses so right yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's either very really bold strange. or it just didn't happen i have no idea yeah that's so weird that's really strange and i don't want to discount what cindy Cindy said because she put in the eye oh right yes exactly yeah so let's hope to God that Cindy Hindi is not somewhere in the world with her own fucking Facebook page. Um, you know, living it up. Very good talk. Fuck that lady. I know. That's the story. Uh, I hope Dad enjoyed it. Or at the very least, I hope he didn't hate it. I'm sure somewhere he, at the end of it, he's just going to go, because hmm. that's Dad. It's Dad's MO. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.